Hey everyone, it is so good to be with you. It's so great to connect with you online. It is finally, finally, finally December. Christmas season is finally upon us. This is being recorded in November, so I didn't quite feel comfortable wearing my Christmas jumper because it is technically still November, so I'm saying hello to you from the past. But Merry Christmas, everyone. The crazy season is here. It is the most wonderful time of the year, as the song might say. I love Christmas. Now, as we know, this has been the year where we embrace, which means to be enthusiastic and to just really throw ourselves at it. And, you know, it's been a crazy year, but I love Christmas. And this month, we are going to be embracing Christmas. And I'll be honest, it doesn't really take much for me to embrace Christmas. I love the cold weather. I love the frost. I love the buzz. I love Santa. I love the reindeer. I love giving people presents. I love seeing their reaction. Of course, I love the Michael Bublé Christmas album. It is wonderful. I can't recommend it enough. And to be honest, Christmas Eve is my favorite day of the entire year. The anticipation of what's coming the next day is amazing. It really is the best. And this year it might be a little bit different and I'm sure that we will all embrace it as we have no choice to. So we might as well be enthusiastic about Christmas. But as I was preparing for this message, I actually, as we embrace Christmas, I want to actually go back to the first Christmas, but I want to go to two years after the first Christmas. And I want to read some verses from Luke chapter 2, verses 1 to 12 from the New Living Translation. It should hopefully be on your screen wherever you're watching this. And it says this, Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from Eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose and we have come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law and asked, where is the man Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem in Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah. For a ruler will come from you, who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men, and he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. Then he told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. And when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. After this interview, the wise men went their way, and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure chest and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. When it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route, for God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. I know that this is the first message in this Embrace Christmas season. I know Pastor Jim kind of mentioned Christmas last week, but that was like a precursor to what was coming. And so it might seem strange to start with 
the wise men, two years after Jesus had been born, and I'm sure over the coming weeks, people will more than make up for that as we learn more about the Christmas story. Now, in this passage, there's these guys called the wise men. We don't actually know that there were three wise men. The Bible doesn't tell us. All we know was there was wise men, which means there was more than one of them. And it's established that there was three because they, of course, left three gifts. But the Bible doesn't really tell us that. You know, each of the gifts they gave were really symbolic, and we won't go into that, but I would encourage you to research it because it's very interesting what the gifts represented. But this first Christmas, two years after Jesus was born, these wise men came. They came to worship the King of Kings. You see, the first thing I know as we embrace Christmas, and my prayer really this morning or whenever you're watching this, is that when I communicate, I'm able to communicate something that can help us not just to embrace Christmas, but embrace what the purpose of Christmas is in our lives every single day, 365 days a year, 366 in a leap year. And the first thing I know about the message of Christmas is that the Christmas, the first Christmas, the message is about worshiping him. The wise men came to worship this newborn king of the Jews. This Jesus wasn't just some baby. He wasn't just some random thing. But they recognized that Jesus is the king of kings. This Jesus is the savior of the world. This Jesus is the one who is worthy of all of our praise, all of our glory, and all of our worship. They came to worship him, not because he'd done anything up until this point. All Jesus had really done is be born. Mary had done all of the work up to this point, kind of. Jesus hadn't done anything that would show on the outside that he was the savior of the world. But they didn't come to worship Jesus based on what he'd done. But they came to worship who he was. We don't worship Jesus because of what he's done. We are so thankful for that and we praise him and we give him our worship. But we worship him because of who he is. We worship him because he's Emmanuel. We worship him because he's the King of Kings. We worship him because he's the Lord of Lords. We worship him because he is the name that is above every other name. And even if he hadn't done anything for us, we would still worship him because he is awesome and he is worthy of all of our praise and all of our worship. You know, the words of the the Christmas carol, which we may sing at some point during this season, Silent Night, it's one of my favorites. And one of the last... Once are Jesus, Lord, at thy birth. Jesus didn't become Lord throughout his life. Jesus was Lord at thy birth. You see, worship is defined as giving great honor, devotion, or admiration to. You know, these wise men traveled. As far as we can tell, I might be reading between the lines a little bit here. But they followed this star for two years. Herod asked them when did the star appear which might indicate for me that that was when Jesus was there. The star pointed to him. So for two years they've traveled to try and follow this star to find this Jesus. That takes a lot of devotion. You know they came and the first thing they done was fall on their knees and they worshipped him. It shows admiration. And they gave him these gifts. They gave him these material things because they wanted to give him the honor that he deserved. Because they came to worship him. This Christmas season, we have to be worshiping him. How easy is it for all of us to get caught up in the craziness of this season? I mean, this year has been absolutely insane. 
and this season is insane, and I have no idea all that this season's going to have in this year of years. But it's easy to get caught up in the making of the Christmas dinner and getting the ingredients and making sure everything's cooked and everyone's fed. It can be easy to get caught up in the madness of getting enough presents for everyone and making sure they get wrapped and make sure they get delivered and make sure that you've not forgotten anyone. It can be crazy to think about how much money you're spending and appreciate that so many people don't have anything and that's why it's so important that we support, you know, this charity that we're actually supporting so that we can make a difference in our community. I encourage you to get behind our Christmas project as we give to those in South Ayrshire. No child should wake up on Christmas morning without a present. It shouldn't happen and we have the power to make a difference. But it can be so easy to get caught up in making sure you visit all the family and making sure that all of the kids are fine. It can be easy to get caught up in making sure you watch every Christmas movie that's available on every TV station ever. It can be easy to get caught up in the craziness of this season. It can be easy to give honor to everyone. It can be easy to give your devotion to this season. It can be easy to give your admiration to all that's wonderful about Christmas. But I want you to hear what I'm saying. This Christmas, the most important thing we can do is worship the King of Kings. You know, the first thing we need to embrace is worshiping him. You know, one thing that I loved about growing up is that even in the midst of all the chaos that Christmas brings, my family modeled to me worshiping the King of Kings. The first thing we done when we woke up was we prayed and thanked God for who he was. Before opening the presents, that's what the rule was. And we would always come to church when we'd done a Christmas day service to worship the King of Kings. Why? Because worshiping him is the most important thing we can do in this season. Embracing Christmas starts with worshiping him. You know, one thing that really gets to me at this season is I hate, I shouldn't say the word hate, but I really, really can't stand seeing Xmas. It really bugs me. When I see it on t-shirts, when I see it on merchandise, when I see it on cards, it's, it really just ucks my spirit. Why? Because Xmas isn't anything. It's called Christmas. Why? Because Christmas is about him. All the other stuff's amazing, but it really bothers me when I see Xmas. Why? Because it's all about him. It is about the birth of Jesus. You know, everything else is an added bonus, but if nothing else got done this season and all I'd done was worship him, it would still be an amazing Christmas. Why? Because Jesus is Lord at thy birth and he deserves my worship. You know, everything else on the planet, the best thing is about when we sing carols that give him all the glory and all the praise and all the worship that he deserves. I love Christmas carols. But I want to encourage you, if you're listening to this, I've got the honor of being the youth pastor of this church. And I love young people, and I love children, and I love young adults. And I want to speak to every parent, every grandparent, every uncle, every auntie, every guardian, everyone who's responsible for children. The greatest gift that you can give your child, your grandchild, your niece, your nephew, regardless of how old they are or how young they are, the best gift you can give them is the gift of encouraging them and modeling them to worship the king of kings put Jesus first in this season and watch what he will do in you and through you and in your family the greatest gift that they can ever get is seeing you model Jesus and worshiping him and putting him first giving him his rightful place I want to encourage you that I had parents who embraced this worship in Jesus regardless of what it cost he was always number one he always came first. And I've been the kid 
who when I was growing up went to every prayer meeting, who went to every single meeting about anything in life. Oftentimes the closest person in age to me was Peter Smith at the back of the room and he would give me a fruit pastel and that was the highlight because I'll be honest, sometimes in church when I was growing up, I got quite bored but I am so thankful for my parents who modeled to me that we put Jesus first and we worship him in first place as we embrace this season. Why? Because without it, I don't know where I would be. And I just want to encourage you, wherever you are, put Jesus first in front of your children, in front of your families. And I don't mean you don't look after them. I meant Jesus as numero uno. Maybe you could start a tradition this Christmas where the first thing you do when you wake up in the morning is we give, we're going to sing a carol together to worship the King of Kings. We are going to pray together to worship the King of Kings. And maybe that could be the start of something you can do, and that's not going to be all of end all, because I'm thankful that my parents are people who modeled worship in Jesus to me. Young people, I want to encourage you that worshiping Jesus is the greatest gift you'll ever have in your entire life. It's the greatest honor you'll ever get is getting to worship the King of kings. It's not getting so many followers on TikTok or Instagram. It's not being famous, but actually it's about making him famous. I want to encourage you. Embracing Christmas means worshiping him. The wise men came from far and gave him their honor, their admiration, and their devotion. The second thing I note in this Christmas story as we embrace Christmas, as Christmas is about listening. You know, there is power in your listening. Throughout this story, God spoke to Mary through the angel. God spoke to Joseph. God showed the wise men in a dream. God, the angel showed up for the shepherds. All through this story, God spoke, God spoke, God spoke through people, through dreams, through angels. God is always speaking but we just have to listen. I have the most amazing wife in the world. I adore my wife. And I'll be honest, she is far better at listening than I am. I think what I often do is sometimes I will say what? What? Because Heather may be up the stairs or downstairs and I'll be in a different room. And I'll shout what when I don't hear what she says. The problem with shouting what is I don't do anything to move closer to her to hear what she's going to say. I sometimes, and this is to my shame, expect her to move to me. Have you ever been there? Where you shout what because you can't hear someone and expect them to move closer to you so that you can hear what they say? Well, the reality is I, I was thinking about this and so often that's exactly what we must be like to God. God is trying to speak truth into us. And we can shout what because we can hear he's saying something. But we shout what expecting that God is going to move and I'm going to stand here. And God, you can come to me. And oftentimes in life, in fact, always I may argue, God's never moved anywhere. Oftentimes I'm the one who's moved. I'm the one who's closed the door or I've walked to another room and I expect God to just come to me. Whereas actually, we have to get better at just listening. What, what's getting in your way from you listening and hearing what God's got to say? I'll be honest, how can you position yourself to listen Better to God's voice. You know, the, the way that God often speaks to me, it's not through a big audible voice. I've never had an angel visit me. I haven't even had like a dream where I've woken up and that's from God. You know how he speaks to me? He speaks to me through his word. 
You know, I want to encourage you. How can you become a better listener of God's voice? Read his Bible. Read his word. Jesus is the word. And so therefore, if you want to know who you are, read the Bible and see what God says about you. If you want to know who God is, read the Bible and find out who he is. That's how God speaks to us. God gives us instructions by giving his word. And I want to encourage you, if you're struggling with what to do in your future, I'm not saying the Bible's going to tell you to be an astronaut, but guess what the Bible will teach you to do? Listen to his voice and put him first. It all comes back, worshiping and listening. You know, another way that we can connect with God and hear his voice is through prayer. Oftentimes I'll have a thought that comes to me just when I'm praying. Why? Because I'm focusing on him and I'm positioning myself to hear. I'm positioning myself to listen. You know, healthy things grow. And I believe another way to connect with God and to hear his voice and listen is to connect with the local church. God will often speak to me through worship, through a preach, through something someone says in church, through a word that's given at church. And if I don't position myself to hear it, then how am I do I expect to listen? You know, God, the church isn't just some fancy idea. It's God's plan for this planet. The... I think it was Bill Hybel said the local church is the hope of the world. Jesus is building his church and I want to be a part of it and I hope that you do too. And so I encourage you, if you struggle with listening to God, you're just like, God, I don't know what you're saying. I encourage you to read his word. I encourage you to spend time praying with him and attend the prayer initiatives that we have. But also get connected to his local church and to his local people. Connect with life groups. Connect with kids ministry. Connect with Rise Youth. Connect with Sunday mornings. I know I'm speaking to the ones who are listening. And so I encourage you to stay connected. Because God uses people. I'm blessed to be acknowledged by AOG as one of their pastors. And I remember about two and a half, three years ago. I remember being in a meeting in this room. And I had to weigh up this decision of... Am I going to pursue this full-time ministry or am I going to work for the bank? And I really came to this point where I had to decide, I don't think I can do this full-time ministry and training while also working full-time. I just don't see how I can do it. I don't see how it's going to be practical. And I remember wrestling with this and I didn't know if it was a God idea or a David idea. It certainly sounded an awful lot like a David idea. But I remember being in a meeting in here, I can't remember what was being said, but I remember there was a coffee break and I turned to Heather because we'd been married for about six to eight, nine months maybe by this point and I just said to her, I need to speak to you about something. To which she responded with, well I need to speak to you about something too. So then I said, you go first, you go first. So eventually I went first and I said, please don't hate me or hit me, but what if I quit my job? And I just pursued this ministry full time. And she basically said, shut up and get away from me. And I thought I was a bit harsh. You know, I was hoping that she was going to say, this is a terrible idea. You're being silly. Forget about it. I was looking for that confirmation. And she just looked at me and said, I've just been thinking the same thing. And so we went to pass the gym, my dad, which is an awkward situation for him because he's my dad, but he's also my pastor. Um, so this was his son. And also as youth pastor. And I just, we explained the situation. says, we feel that maybe God's in this. And he advises to go and to pray 
about it for kind of two weeks and see what God said. And that was the deadline we kind of set. I also had to give a notice for my work so I could start this training course. And we prayed about it. And I read my Bible and I fasted. And I was really seeking for God to speak to me. And I remember it was the two weeks later on the Monday. The, the deadline was the next day. And for two weeks, I had prayed, I had fasted, I had read my Bible, I had positioned myself to hear from God, and God was silent. And I remember that Monday, I was on the train home from Glasgow, where I worked at the bank. I was coming home to Presswick on the train, and I was about to pull into Presswick Airport, where I would get off to walk home, and I just began to cry. Not because I was disappointed, but just because I was like, God, I don't know what to do. I can't hear you. I'm positioning myself to hear from you. But you're not saying anything. And I read my Bible and it said the God of infinite resources would look after you. And I was like, but that's not what I'm looking for, God. And I remember so vividly in my mind, I said to him out loud audibly as I was walking home. I said, God, I need you to confirm to me tomorrow. And my personal devotions, whether this is your will over my life or whether it's not, I need a clear sign from you. And I went to sleep that night and I woke up the next morning. I read my Bible. And the first verse that I read in my daily devotions, not having a clue what it was going to be, read Ephesians 4 verse 1, which says, live a life worthy of your calling for God has called you. And in that moment, there was a peace in my heart that came because I felt like it was an audible voice. It wasn't God saying, I've called you. Now go and live out what I've called you to do. And I remember the peace that overwhelmed me. And I believe that not everyone is going to have that moment. But I believe in that moment because I positioned myself to hear and listen to God's voice. His voice was able to guide me. And I want to encourage you. When you spend time in prayer, when you connect with church, when you read his word, when you seek after him, he will speak to you. Don't be afraid of his silence. Don't give up because he's there. Just because he's not saying anything doesn't mean that he's absent. Because when he's silent, he's creating a desperation in us that we can only do this if it comes from him. And we were able to work that out and the church have blessed us so, so much. God has blessed us. Thank you to everyone who supported us financially and in prayers. We serve a God who is able to supply all of our needs. But the most important thing about this Christmas time is listening to his voice. The wise men listened to him. You know, they listened to him in the dream. But it's not enough to just listen. Because the final thing I know about this season and this story with the wise men is they, Christmas was about worshipping. It was about listening to him, but it's also about following him. You know, they got this dream where they said, go another way, because Herod came and, spoiler alert, he tried to kill baby Jesus. But they followed a different path. Why? Because they followed what God taught. You know, I'm not the best when it comes to following in a car. I'm terrible at following instructions when it comes to a car. But these wise men followed this shining star for two years. They followed him in the hope that they might find him. And in one of my dream Bible verses, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul writes to a group of Christians and says, I want you to follow me as I follow Christ. I want you to follow my example, some versions say, as I follow Christ. 
Christ's example. You know, Paul wasn't trying to be arrogant here. Paul wasn't trying to say, look at me, I'm amazing. He wasn't trying to say he was equal to Jesus. What he was trying to say is, look at my life because I'm chasing after Jesus. And if you chase after me, you're going to find Jesus. You're going to get closer to who Jesus is. You know, what a powerful statement to be so content in who you are that you can confidently and boldly say with humility, follow me as I follow Christ. What a challenge that is. And one day I hope that I will be able to say that with the same boldness and humility that Paul did. That people can look at my life and they can follow Jesus. You know, this Christmas, that first Christmas, the, the, the wise men followed a star that led them to Jesus. But I want to encourage you, who are you following? This Christmas and this year, who are you following? Who are you chasing after? Who are you following all the days of your life? And then I want to pose this challenge. If people were to follow you, if people were to look at your life, if people saw the way you conducted business, if people saw the way you posted on social media, if people saw the way you acted in traffic, if people saw the way that you lived your life, if those who are up close and personal, would they look at your life and would they follow Jesus? You know, I don't say this to shame any of us at Christmas, but I want... Ideally, for all of us to become people who are no matter what it costs, no matter what it looks like, no matter how much it affects us, no matter how, no matter how much it breaks our heart, that we are willing to follow Jesus no matter what. That following Jesus isn't just something that we get to do, but it is the most honorable thing that we can do. It is the highest calling that we have on earth to follow Jesus. You know, his disciples weren't the smartest, they weren't the best, they weren't the most talented but they followed Jesus. There's an old hymn by Isaac Watts who wrote in a great hymn, When I Survey the Wonderful Cross, that says, following Jesus demands my soul, my life, my all. My prayer is for all of us that we become everything God wants us to be. That as we worship him, that we listen to him, and as we follow him, we can see his kingdom come here on earth, and we can see more people joining in with his family. And so I just want to pray for us right now at this Christmas time that we embrace Christmas and that we embrace Christ like never before. Father God, I thank you that you are in control. I thank you for the gift that is your son. I thank you that you are who you say you are, that you deliver on your promises, that you are good, good father. I thank you that love came down at Christmas and I pray that you help us to be one people who worship you, listen to you and follow you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you all. We hope you have a wonderful Christmas and we will see you soon. Have a great week.